0: All right, it's on. Uh, let's pray, and we'll get going. Got a lot to get to today, and. Uh... We'll see how it goes. So, Father, I love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for, uh, just being good to us, Lord, and loving us. And, uh, Lord, I thank you for, uh, just leaving us a love letter, uh, that we can, uh, just hear from you, uh, every day. And, uh, Lord, there's a lot of people who, um, spend their entire lives trying to figure out, uh, what the purpose is and, uh, which direction they should go and wonder, you know, if they're doing the right thing, what should they be doing, which direction should they be going. And, uh, Lord, if they would only, uh, just, uh, Grab your book, uh, and, and just hold to it. Uh, it's just clear and concise. There's peace in it. And there's peace for our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. We spent a lot of time going through the book of Romans and then we moved into the book of 1 Corinthians and, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you've kind of pushed me this direction, and uh, even to see now how you're uh, morphing what this study uh, is going to look like. And so, Lord, I pray you'd speak to us today. Uh, there's a lot to get through. Nothing can get be done in a day, but uh, as we near the end of the year, just kind of give us uh, clarity on what the rest of the year is going to look like, uh, and just uh that we would be diligent uh, to be doing what you've called us to do. So I pray you just speak to us today. Pray for those who aren't here today. There's a lot of people uh, doing a lot of different things. Pray for Brady as he's teaching this morning in the Berean class. And, uh, it was just a lot of, a lot of moving parts and a lot of people busy about your business. So I pray that you would just, uh, be about the business of the harvest party, uh, get the people to the meeting this afternoon, after church and that, uh, it would just be a great event. We'd be able to reach our community the way that you've called us to. And so, uh, Lord, I just pray for all the details in Christ's name. Amen. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, if you have your, uh, Bibles, open up to the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah, <coughs> and we're going to endeavor to uh, to work our way through the book of Jonah, um, and, and this is going to seem really odd, today's going to be really different, um, we're going to do that starting uh, in January. And you're like, well, wait a minute, uh, and I'll explain why uh, soon enough. But today we're going to do an overview of the book of Jonah, and then uh, I'll explain to you why uh, we're not going to actually get to teaching verse by verse through the book till January, just because the way the calendar works out. So, uh, most of you, if if you're in here and even if you're listening to this and you have never. You don't you don't know something about the book of Jonah, then you're probably like I was when I got saved. Like you knew you just know nothing at that point and uh, about the Bible anyway. And so uh, obviously the book of Jonah is um, it's pretty basic. It's really short. Uh, it's only four chapters. Uh, it's only 48 verses long. You can read through the entire book in uh, just minutes. Uh, but yet there's so much just left hanging out there. If you read it, he just God just leaves it hanging out there at the at the end of the book and there 's like so much more that could be said there 's so much more about how God either got through to Jonah or he didn't uh, or he just kind of leaves it hanging out there and there 's not a lot of books in the Bible that are like that usually but this is one of them that every time you read it and it 's just like really is that really it did I mean did we just not find the whole book when we were translating i mean i don 't know and Obviously, God has exactly what we need in our Bible. I, I didn't mean that as, that as a joke. Somebody's going to hear that and be like, you know, <laughs> definitely not the case. Uh, no, this is it. And there's so much to it. But then the more that I read through it and I've heard, I actually told myself at one point, I would never teach through Jonah. Because uh, I I listened several years ago, and I was actually going to go back through and listen to it again, and it was in God's providence that uh, you can't get the audio anymore. Uh, but uh, Brian Clark, missionary to London, he's actually back in uh, town. He's living in Raytown right now for a year before they go back to the field. Uh, he preached through the Book of Jonah uh, in 2016, and I listened to it. And this was back when we were uh, spending a lot of time with Brian and Mindy. Uh, I thought maybe there was a possibility of us moving. Anyway, and it was just great. And I told myself, I'll never Never be able to teach through Jonah because nobody can do it like that and so I'm glad that I wasn't able to go back because then I would just without meaning to be just rolling his stuff out of my brain but anyway there's just so much to this this book and I'm gonna we're gonna do like an overview of it today right and so kind of give you an outline if you want it and then uh, the entire premise of why we're in Jonah is this and there's like three questions that as we go through this book, I want you to be asking yourself over and over and over again as we go through the book of Jonah. This is why I feel like God led me here. This is why, because it seems like any opportunity that I get to to preach, any opportunity that I get to uh, just really share the word with somebody, other than in Passpoint because we've been going through a specific book, it keeps coming back to the same thing, is... Is, am I doing what God told me to do, right? Am I really doing what? So as we go through this, this is kind of how I got to this book is there's three questions that obviously uh, I don't think that God is going to send a whale to swallow anybody, a a great fish to swallow anyone up. Uh, And so some of this we have to take and like, okay, how is this going to apply to our life? How is this going to? And so three questions that as we go through the book, I want you to constantly be asking yourself is what did God tell me to do? And there'll be, you'll understand why before we leave here today, why it's going to be January before we can get there. Because sometimes people have a hard time pinpointing that, just the answer to that question. So, what did God tell me to do? Am I taking steps to follow what God told me to do? Am I actually doing something about it? What did God tell me to do? Am I actually, am I taking steps to follow what God told me to do? and then the third question as we start going through this and I don't know how long it'll to take to teach through the book it's only 48 verses so probably a couple months you know um, but how is God getting the glory? the last question how is God getting the glory? is it because of what I'm doing or in spite of what I'm doing? and so as as we go through this book down the road <laughs> that's what you need to be asking yourself because, you know, if you don't know what God has told you to do, it's hard to apply something like this to your life. Right? If you don't, if, you, if you're left in limbo, like, man, I, I think I know what I need to be doing. And so we'll get to that point of it uh, in a little bit. Why, I'll circle back around and wrap up with that. But as far as an overview of the book goes, uh, you can outline the book uh, a lot of different ways. Uh, I have a couple different outlines that have been rolling through my head. Um, you know, you can look at it from God's perspective. Uh, in chapter 1, you've got God's great storm. In chapter 2, you've got God's great fish. Uh, in chapter three, you've got God's great revival, and in chapter four, you've got God's great grace. Right? Those are things that you know just kind of pop out to me. But then, you know, the book is also about Jonah and you know trying to see if Jonah's ever going to get it figured out. And so you could look at it this way: you could look at chapter one as Jonah's big refusal. You could look at chapter two as Jonah's big repentance um, in the belly of the fish. You, in chapter three, you could see Jonah's big second chance. Where he goes as the greatest missionary ever and he preaches the greatest message ever and he says, repent or God's going to blow the city up. That's pretty much what he says. He doesn't like go out, we'll get to it, but he's like the world's worst missionary. I don't want to go and if I'm going to go, this is my plan. You better do what God says or he's going to take this place out. I mean, I can just imagine that that's about how he said it, too. Anyway, and then in chapter four, you would see Jonah's big bitterness, uh, as, as we'll get to all of it. So anyway, let's just kind of overview the book. Most of you know what's going on here. I'm not going to get super in detail because, uh, we'll get to that when we actually teach through it verse by verse. But I want to make sure everybody has a pretty good, yes, ma'am? The questions I got, please. Yes, uh, what did God tell me to do? Am I taking steps to follow what God told me to do? And how is God getting the glory? Because of me or in spite of me. So anyway, let's just kind of overview it. That way we have a pretty good idea of what's going on here, uh, why maybe uh, we're we're coming here. And then I want to circle around uh, and tell you what we're going to do between now and then. Because uh, I think it needs to be said uh, and it needs to be brought up. And so uh, it's just kind of like... If you're like me, I just, I let things just kinda simmer in my brain, right? Then, uh, I've got a lot of things that I feel like God's calling me to do, that, uh, whether it be to teach or this side or the other, and, uh, sometimes it's just like, I don't see the, the forest from the trees sometimes, and, and it's like, wait a minute, if I step back and see, it all kinda needs to play together. Uh, and so hopefully that all makes sense. So anyway, uh, if, as we look at the book, the, it, Jonah chapter 1, I'm not going to read through the whole thing. We don't have time for that, but it says, Now the word of the Lord, in, in verse 1, came into Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness uh, for their wickedness has come before me. Okay, so a couple of things just to know, and I don't know how much you know about Nineveh, who the Ninevites are how their relationship is to the Israelites, and, and why this whole thing is going on. I'll give you a quick uh, just overview. So Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. I'm not a history guy. I actually like history in the form of movies. Uh, but uh, I feel like a movie can tell uh, history uh, really well. But I'm not a huge history buff, but I have listened to enough things to know a little bit about what's going on, at least in this story. So Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. Assyria is who will, uh, very soon after, uh, this book, uh, be who comes and, uh, basically sacks, uh, Jerusalem, takes over, uh, the northern ten tribes, and they really never get established again. Uh, and so, there's been a, a deep hatred between the nation of Israel, uh, and the Assyrians for, uh, Ever, right? And so Jonah is a prophet. He is uh, one of God's chosen people to tell a story, uh, to to share His word. Uh, just in case you're wondering, uh, the book of Jonah is very small. We call it a minor prophet, not because the the message is any uh, less great, but because it's shorter, right? Uh, Jonah is no different than uh, Jeremiah or uh, Isaiah. They they had the same job as a prophet from God. God just gave uh more for Isaiah to say and that's why the book is longer or Jeremiah to say and so Jonah Micah you know all of those all of those different books they're just short they're called minor prophets because they're short they're easier to get through uh as far as reading goes so anyway God says I want you to to go to Nineveh and cry against it and so Jonah's like okay obviously he's got a decent relationship with God in the sense of God's talking to him he's using him and in verse uh Three, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it and got into uh, uh to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Okay, so just a couple other things just to kind of get your head wrapped around what's going on here. There's a lot of names of different places and so... It doesn't say where Jonah is when this happens, but it says that he goes down to Joppa, which is like a port city along the Mediterranean Sea, right? All this is happening, uh, and he he goes down, and he basically buys a, a ticket on the next cruise ship out of here because I don't want nothing to do with what God says, and it says he's going to go to Tarshish, okay? And so a lot of times people read this, and they're like, okay, these are just names of places. Why does it matter? Well, if you know where Tarshish is, it is on the far western side of the mediterranean sea where the mediterranean sea meets the atlantic as far away as he can get a ticket to go is where he's going to go god says hey i want you to go here and it's not like he says no i don't want to and i'm going to stay where i'm at he says i don't want to and just to prove to you how much i don't want to i'm going to go as far away from where you told me to go that's where i'm going to go he's willing to pay his own money that who knows what he had to do to get to go against what God has called him to do. It sounds a lot like American Christianity in a lot of ways. But anyway, I'm just throwing that out there because that's what the book of Jonah is like. It's it's like American Christianity if, if you boil it all down. So he says, man, I'm not going to do it and this is what I'm going to do. And he goes. And so I don't have to read the whole thing. But the rest of chapter 1, you know, so he gets on the ship and God's like, Let me show you, let me show you what I can do. And, uh, he brings a great storm. Uh, they call it a tempest. Uh, some people relate it to a hurricane. Some people say that it's a storm much stronger than a hurricane. It's something that only God could have created. We'll get into all of that when we actually teach through the verse by verse. But this massive storm comes, uh, and basically, uh, things are not good. Uh, they're, they're rowing. They can't figure it out. Uh, it says, uh, one of the cool things you can just kind of look at. Uh, in verse five, it says the mariners were afraid. They cried every man to his own little g god. Um, uh, everybody's crying to their own god. They can't figure it out. Uh, they're all basically at this point saying, who, who is it that brought this evil upon us? Because, uh, they are idol worshippers. So they assume that if anything bad happens in their life, it's because their quote unquote gods are against them. And so they have decided, uh, that this is, this has happened because of something like that. And the captain of the ship, they're like, man, we've we got to figure this out. And he starts asking everybody, you know, what have you done? What have you done? They're like, why don't you ask the guy that jumped on the ship, right, at, at the very end? And, well, Jonah, he's down in the bottom of the ship sleeping. Uh, how in the world you could sleep through something like this, I don't know. Uh, that would be my question for Jonah. Why in the world are you sleeping? Uh, I, there's a lot of questions you could ask, but how are you sleeping through this? And it says in verse 6, So the shipmaster came unto him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy... Now, I think this is interesting because the verse before, they were calling upon their little g-gods. But he says, Call upon thy capital G-God. If so be that capital G-God will think upon us and we perish not. I just think that's interesting that even just through uh, the translation of how this goes, uh, the little g-gods are separate from the one true God. But anyway... So he says, uh, well, yeah, God told me to do something, and I chose not to. It probably wasn't my greatest decision. And then they're like, are you kidding me? Why would you do this? You've brought this evil upon us. I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing a lot of this because I don't have time to. And so basically they're like, well, who are you? And he's like, well, I'm an Israelite. And they're like, oh, great. And he's like, I worship the one true God. And they're like, oh, we're really in trouble now. What are we going to do? And so the whole thing, and they're like, well, what are we going to have to do that this isn't going to, that the storm is going to pass that, you know, we don't have to die here. They're, they're casting the, the, the tackle off the ship trying to make it lighter. So it doesn't sit as deep in the water. The waves are just battering this thing. And he's like, okay, here's what you're going to, have to do. Verse 12. This is, I mean, Jonah is just like, he knows the power of god and this is this lets you know that he knows the power of god he says he said unto them take me up and cast me forth into the sea that's my great idea just throw me off and these guys are like well that's not going to work and even if we do then your blood's on our hands and we don't want that because obviously your god he's he's not happy about this whole situation and then we're still going to die Nevertheless, the men rode, verse 13, hard to bring it into the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought it was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, now, this is, again, interesting. They cried unto the Lord. Huh. It didn't take long for them to realize that the one true God is uh, is who they probably ought to be following here. They cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hath, have hath, hath basically brought this along, right? This was, this was your storm. And they're like, if we cast this guy off, one, don't let us die, and two, don't let the guilt of us throwing him into the sea be upon us. Like, we can't have that. And the whole chapter, it's just like, what is God trying to do? Why, is this the only way that God could have, well, the whole book just plays into itself. It says, then the mean, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so they took up Jonah in verse 15 and cast him forth into the sea. And it, and it doesn't say immediately, but it says the sea ceased from her raging. I can only imagine like being one of these guys. These guys are seasoned uh, sailors. They call them mariners in, in the book of Jonah. But uh, sailors, they, they do this for a living. And to see the sea go from what they think is going to kill them to just done, uh, it reminds me a lot of... Uh, the New Testament, when Jesus says, Peace, be still, and the wind just stopped. So anyway, uh, they throw him overboard, and it says, The men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now, what exactly that sacrifice looked like, I don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if you don't meet one or two or all of these sailors in heaven someday because uh, something changed in their life, and I'm just saying. Okay, so... Uh, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. It's like, really, this is the best way you could come about this. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Okay, there's a ton. There's a ton. We can spend weeks, and we will, uh, going through all this. But uh, this is an overview, and I just kind of want to get your brain. So, uh, Jonah, God says, "Hey, Jonah, go uh, to Nineveh. Uh, I want you to preach there." And he's like, "I'm not going to do it. I don't like those people. Honestly, if you want my opinion, God, I hope they all die." right uh he, i don't i don't like who they are i don't like what they're about i don't like uh what they've done to our people i don't like the way they look i don't like the way they talk i don't like anything about them he's uh what most people would call basically a racist uh you know i don't like those people and i don't care if they die i won't go and god's like okay well we'll see about that <laughs> so he gets on the ship big storm they throw him in the sea now he's swallowed up by a great fish it's just like, okay, what's happening here? So verse 2, or chapter 2. So now he's in the belly of the fish, not dead. How that works, I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, must have been a pretty big fish. How he had oxygen enough to live, again, I don't know. I wasn't there. I can only read what the Bible says, and I tell you I believe it. Somehow, way, he's in there. Uh, there's gotta be like the fish's stomach acid trying to like eat away at his skin. There's gotta be all these different things. Again, I don't know I wasn't there, but he's alive. And it says he prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord and he heard me out of the belly uh, of hell. Cried I, and I heard his my voice. For so they cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, uh, and the floods come past me about, and all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Anyway, he goes on. He's got this big, long prayer of basically repentance. God, I, I don't want to be here. Uh, it never really says, I'm sorry for what I did, but I don't want to be here. I'm crying out to you. Verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. That's what happens in life. When your soul finally gets to a point where it is just like completely faint, you will remember the Lord. And my prayer came into the holy temple. So anyway, chapter 2 is this big long prayer of get me out of here. Give me another chance. He doesn't really say that, but get me out of here. I'm crying unto you. And basically, uh, verse 9, he says, I uh, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. In verse 10, God's like, okay, I've heard enough. And the Lord spake unto the fish. Now, I don't know what language the fish speaks. I don't know how exactly how that worked either. Again, I wasn't there. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what kind of fish it was or how big or if this is a one-of-a-kind type of fish, if this is something that you can still go find today. I don't know. But it says that the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Okay, the story just gets... Really more weird at this point. So he's in the fish. He cries out. He's not dying somehow from inside the, the belly of the fish. Uh, I keep calling it a fish because we'll get into the debate of, is it a fish? Is it a whale? Is it a whatever? I don't know. We'll, we can look into all of that, right? Uh, what the New Testament has to say about it, what uh, translating uh, the Greek and the Hebrew has to say. I, we'll get into all that. Right now, we just know that it's called a great fish, a big fish, right? Uh, oh, by the way, uh, that's what I titled... The study of the book of Jonah, if you want to get into it. It's God's great fish story, right? Everybody's got a good fish story. Everybody's got a good story about, man, are you, would you ever believe what I got into, right? The fish that I caught. Well, this is God's great fish story, and we'll see why when we get into chapter three, but anyway. So, the fish vomits him out. Now, well, I'm not even, we'll get into that when we teach through this. There's some scientific proof that this actually does happen, uh, and we'll get into why and everything else, but for now we know that the Lord bacon of the fish, and it vomited out Jonah on the dry land. Okay, so Jonah, he's on the beach. Now this isn't, when I talk about wanting to go to the beach, this is not the kind of go to the beach that I'm thinking of. He's laying on the beach. I don't know what he has been through uh, when we get to chapter 3. Uh, he's been inside of a fish's belly, He's been crying unto the Lord. Uh, I'm guessing his skin is eaten about uh, with the different things that have been happening. Uh, People have, uh, commentators, I don't spend a lot of time with commentaries, but I've heard that they say that uh, after this long inside of... uh, Something's stomach, your skin would be bleached almost white like a ghost is what people would say. You would look completely different than yourself. Uh, all of these things. And so we'll get into all that kind of speculation soon enough. But he is now on the beach. God has uh, got him back to square one. Jonah's like, man, thank goodness I'm out of this thing. In verse 3. There's, like, God doesn't even wait. He's like, hey, how was that? Did that feel okay? You know, you doing all right? No. In chapter 1, or chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it, the preaching that I bid thee. God's not like, hey, do you want to take a break? Do you need a second? Right? There's, like, even in, like, Boxing or MMA fighting. There's like time in between rounds. No, the fish vomits him out and God's like, okay, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to do what I told you to do. You remember? I, I'm, he, Jonah's not even like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, there's no question about what's going on here. God says, this is what I want you to do. Are you ready to obey yet? And so now you can start to see, as we apply this to our life, over and over again, you need to be asking yourself those three questions that I gave you. What is it that God told me to do? In my life, specifically, what is it that God told me to do? Am I actually taking steps to follow what God told me to do? Because it's one thing to know what God said to do and just be like, yeah, I'll get to it. Like, okay, you're not actually taking steps. And so don't be surprised if the proverbial whale comes and swallows your butt up and then you're like crying to God, I just want another chance. Okay, well, am I taking steps to follow what God told me to do? And then the last thing you need to always be asking yourself is, how is God getting glory? Is it because of my following or in spite of me not following, right? Those are the things that as we go through this, you're going to constantly be asking, what is it that God told me to do? Okay, so chapter three rolls around and it says, uh, so Jonah arose and went. He was super excited about his life. Here's what he, here's, here's verse uh, four is one of the most just, I, I don't know, we'll, we'll get to it. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was a great and exceeding city of uh, three days' journey. Now, there's uh, an estimated 600,000 people in uh, Nineveh alone at this time. We get that number from the end of chapter 4 where uh, we assume that the 60,000 people that he's talking about is probably children. It says they don't know the right and their left, so you can assume that by simple math, you know, if there's that many children, there's probably around 600,000 people in the city. He goes, three days' journey. Verse 4, Jonah entered into the city a day's journey. So he basically spends an entire day, and here's what he says. He's the greatest missionary ever. He comes up with the greatest plan of getting the gospel to these people that he can think of. Right? We spend sometimes years of our lives trying to figure out how to get the gospel to certain groups of people. And sometimes it's just like, maybe you should just do it like God said to do it. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said... Yet 40 days, Nineveh should be overthrown. Yet 40 days, the city's going to burn up. 40 days, man, you guys are toast. Just walking through the city. That's all it says that he said, right? There's so much just to, I, I just want to ask when I get there. Like, What exactly, between verse 4 and 5, what exactly happened? Like how did you say it is it because you looked like a freaking ghost out of a fish's belt? I don't know what it is but like that's all it took and then you get to verse 5 and it says the people of Nineveh believed God because he was such a great gospel presenter 40 days you guys are dying right like sometimes you no know, I don't really have time for this but sometimes we spend a lot of time trying to love somebody and to heaven, which you should. You should love people where they're at, you need to meet people where they're at, get them where they need to go. Um but if but if all you ever do is tell people about how great God is, and you never show them that the wrath of God is coming, um sometimes some people will never get it. Now I agree, there there are people on both sides of the coin. There are some people that get saved from hell, and there's some people that get saved into heaven. Well, guess what? We're all in the same place. Uh, And a lot of times, uh, there are a lot of people that get saved from hellfire only to, years later, mature enough to understand the grace of God and everything that comes with it. But sometimes what people need to hear is that your sin is getting ready to cost you your life. Um, Are you willing to do something about it? And that's kind of the message he preached here. And so anyway... In verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth, and the greatest and the least of them, like the king, everybody. He said, everybody gets saved. And Jonah's like, man, this is great. I can go back and tell all my, you know, prophet buddies, my missionary buddies, you'll never believe what happened. God used me. And no, he's bitter. He's mad. He is, he doesn't like these people. He is so hacked off about what, what's going on here. And he's just like, I don't, I don't want nothing to do with it. He's just angry. He's bitter. Verse 10 of chapter 3, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil ways, and God repented of the evil that He had said He would do unto them. And He did it not. This whole city gets saved. The entire place. They turn to God. I don't think it's saved, but they, they turn to God. They repent from at least their evil doings of the time. And Jonah's like, Great. Now what? He just wants these people to die. He's like, Great. I hope you do throw you know, hellfire on these people. I don't want them to be following the same God that I follow. He wants nothing to do with it. And then in chapter 4, we get to chapter 4. Because this is the one that really just leaves me just wondering. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before the in Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and a merciful and slow to anger, and of great kindness and repentance thee of the uh, evil. He's like, I knew you were going to do this the whole freaking time, and I don't like those people. That's why I didn't want to go. I knew you would do this. See? And he's just mad. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? He's like... Is it okay for you to be mad about this, Jonah? Like He he should have said a lot of things. But he's like, Are, is this really what you need to be mad about? It says Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and made him a booth in a shadow of it till he might see what would come of the city. He's like, I'm on a front row seat to when these people don't keep with their repentance this 40 days and God's going to come and destroy this place. I want a front row seat to these people dying. That's what he's doing here. And then so, I don't really have time to get into it, but so it's it says that God grows up this big gourd it's like a massive pumpkin that grows in one day and it like shades them you know understand the part of the world they're in they're like in modern day you know Iraqish area and so like they're it's hot there right and so uh, jonah's like sweet i've got like this shade pumpkin gourd thing that's shading me and you know maybe god's starting to see things my way right And then the next day it says that God creates a great worm and it comes and eats up the pumpkin and then a great wind to make it even hotter than it was. And Jonah's like, man, if you would just kill me, God, if you, he says it like five or six times through the book, just let me die. And at some point God's going to be like, all right, if that's really what you want. Uh, but, and then he's just mad and he's like, well, you, you took my shade pumpkin thing away and like I was doing good. And God's like, is it, is it good for you to be displeased about me you know, making and taking away this, but not about me giving the opportunity for people to, to turn and follow me, right? In verse 11, this is how the whole book ends. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, which are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? And then just leaves it at that. He leaves Jonah with this point of like, okay, don't you think that my grace is sufficient? And that's basically what the book is about. Is like God's grace is sufficient in all situations. So anyway, that's kind of an overview. I wanted to get to a lot of other things, but I want to get to what we're going to do here. So starting next week, we're going to do, I think it's going to take six weeks. And we're going to do a six-week study. And this this all... Stems back to understanding this I want you to be able to ask yourself as we go through this book of Jonah what did God tell me to do specifically like in a relationship at work whatever area of your life because I was going to challenge you to like but we'll get to all that later but what did God tell me to do and if you're like me and if you're like most people that are you know this is kind of like the young adultish class young family class although you know we we span a pretty wide age range, praise the Lord. Um, but we're kind of going through a lot of the same types of things, right? We have people with uh, young children uh, all the way up to, you know, Paige and I have high schoolers. and you know, So there's a lot of different things we're going through. But sometimes when I ask the question, and I want to make sure we can pinpoint this, when I ask the question, what did God tell you to do? Well, you might be like... Oh, in in what area? Like I'm supposed to be doing this over here, and I'm supposed to be a good husband over here, and by the way, I'm supposed to be doing this at work, and I'm supposed to be doing this, and like I don't know how to juggle six balls at once, and so what happens is they all fall on the ground like eggs, and my whole life looks like scrambled eggs on the ground because I just don't know what to do. I I feel like when I try to do the one thing right, everything else kind of tumbles around me, and um. So anyway, I I've, I've kind of had this thing rolling around in my head for a while and I don't really know what to call it and so for now I'm going to call it the family life study and so uh it'll probably come up with a better name by the time I'm done with it but it's just not here yet (laughs) so anyway uh and the purpose is I've had this happen multiple times uh, with people coming for counsel or different things just about this type of situation. Like, I know what God says about this and I know what God says about this. But how do you put these things together? And like, how do I do it? Like, I, I want to live a victorious life in Christ. I want to do what God wants me to do. But what exactly is it? And so, too often we get so far off in the weeds of what is it over here that like I, I'm I'm too busy. And what I, what I mean, not me personally, but sometimes we get so busy, like trying to get one area so perfected. Like I want to be the best employee that I can, this, that, and the other. And the next thing you know, your uh, your spousal relationship is just messed up because it, 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 you got to learn how to balance the whole thing out. So anyway, we're going to look at six different things. Uh, we're going to look at uh, following God. What did God tell you to do about following God? What did God tell you to do about being a spouse? What did God tell you to do about raising kids? What did God tell you to do about being involved in the ministry? About working in the world around lost people? And then about, I don't really know what's called last one, church life, fellowship life, friend life. What did God tell you specifically to do in those areas? And there might be some of those areas, and I know there's people that are going to be listening to this to get caught up, but what did God tell you to do in each of those areas, and some of those you might be like, well, they don't really apply to me that much, and that's okay. Um, that, that's you'll get to counsel people that are going through that. You'll get to, well, I'm not married. Okay, well, perfect. Uh, statistics show that most people in the married, most people in the world will get married. So you're going to minister to people that are married. Uh, so it's good to know these things, right? You're going to know people that uh, have kids and are raising kids and have gone through some things with kids. And so anyway, it's just a very basic black and white what is it that God told me to do about this? And so as we go through this, the goal would be for you to come out of it with that is exactly what God told me to do, right? There's going to be a lot of things that are like, yeah, I need to do that at some point, but like right now, this is what God is telling me to do. And so then when we step back into the book of Jonah and we actually walk through this thing and we can take some practical application, you know, and how God uses circumstances To bring you to a point of decision like, okay, go back to what is it that God told me to do? Right now, in this point in my life, what is it that God said to do? And am I taking steps to do that? And how is God getting the glory? So this kind of has come full circle, and I want to just walk through this thing piece by piece. And so that will get us till the beginning of December There'll be at least a week that I have to take off for the pastor retreat, and so it's going to get us till the first of the year, and we will step back into the book of Jonah the first week of January, and uh, hopefully we can just get after this. So uh, if you see anybody, um, let them know what's going on, because there's a lot of people who aren't here today, uh, and I'll probably even send something out, because I want to make sure that we as a class can be on the same page as, what is it that God has told me to do? Because too often it's hard for me in my position to be like, uh, this is what I, this is what God says, this is what God says, because there's such a wide range of people. So if we just take a minute and we slow down, it's like, this is what He said about this. How are you doing? This is what He said about this. How are you doing? And you can individually get in the Word and find out what is it that God has said. Hey, this is what I want you to do. Because when God says to do something, it doesn't mean just go do it for a second. It means do that until I tell you to do something different. So, we need to find out what it is that we're supposed to be doing and hold on to it and and move through it. So uh, with that, let's pray and we'll get out of here and we'll start this thing next week. So we'll see how it goes. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for um, just uh, uh, the, the spirit working uh, just to get us to where we're at. And Lord, I do think that this is uh, something more of your will than mine. Uh, I really didn't want per se to to do this but I feel like this is where you have uh, to brought us and so I think that it'll be good I pray that you would just use this study um, uh, just of, uh, of life and then as we step back into the book of Jonah to really grow us to be more like you uh, and to get us to where you want us to be uh, Lord I pray that if you're calling us to Nineveh that that's where we're willing to go and so uh, Lord we just need to find out what the Nineveh is in our life that you're calling us to do and that we would do it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, speak through Pastor Brian as he preaches to us today. Um, A lot of things going on. I pray that you would just get the honor uh, and the glory for all of it. A lot of details, a lot of things coming up with the Harvest Party and the Halloween outreach. And, uh, Lord, I pray that, uh, first and foremost, the gospel is getting where it needs to go on time, and that you're using us. Uh, as vessels to allow that to happen. So, uh, Lord, I pray You just uh, send us out as lights in a dark world that You would get the honor and the glory from our lives. In Christ's name, Amen. I don't really know what to call it. Um.